Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Blush. I'm your host, Tifa, and it is the last episode of 2023. Can you believe it? It feels like just yesterday. No, that's a lie. It really doesn't feel like just yesterday. Isn't time perception such an interesting concept? Because you hear all sorts of different things, right? Like I've heard people say, I think the most common thing that I hear people say is that when you're a kid, time moves so slowly. But when you're an adult, the years just fly by. I don't know. I think that's true to a certain extent for me, but I don't know. And then there's the whole like time flies when you're having fun. But I also think sometimes when you're having fun, time actually moves a lot more slowly, like you're so present and in it and just really fully immersed. And I think that's also why time appears to move slowly when you're a kid and not so much when you're an adult, because I think when you're an adult, you're so not present. It's actually shocking. I was reading some studies on mindfulness and by mindfulness, I don't mean meditation, like mindfulness is a form of meditation, but mindfulness is a much broader concept. It's the concept of being present, being mindful, like really truly being here, paying attention to what you're doing. And it's actually astounding how not mindful we are as a society. I think it's like the average adult is like not mindful, like 95% of the time or something. Like we're pretty much just running on autopilot all the time. It's wild. Um, Maybe we'll talk more about that in the new year because it is, I'm doing a ton of research on it. I'm really, I always have projects, you know, like I always have, I feel like a mental health or emotional health type of project. And I always have a physical health project. And obviously these two things are so like, everything's linked to each other, right? Like one, uh, one of the biggest projects I've had was the anxious attachment piece and working through all of that. Um, a fit big physical health project I've had in my past was gut stuff and it, it's gone through iterations. But, you know, one big project I had this year in 2023 was to be able to poop without taking magnesium, which I achieved, not to brag. And so my big physical health project that I'm hyper-focused on right now is concentration, memory, ADHD, you know, just like mental sharpness. Um, Sam? You wanted to come in. 
No, but you wanted to be here. <laughs> her face is so fucking cute. I can't with her. You wanted to be here. So can you bechop? Can you bechop for mommy? Bechop means sleep. I mean, it means lay down in Farsi. Okay. Anyway. Um, why? Oh, okay. So mindfulness really plays into that. That's why I'm doing a ton of research on it right now. Okay. Let's move right along because we really don't have time for 14 hour long stories about me peeing my pants and my entire household treating the elevator like it's some kind of fucking urinal. So we're just going to get right into the content. We're starting with our word of the week. And I just want to address this quickly in case it's your first time listening. We start every episode with the word of the week. And the reason we do that is because this is a self-improvement podcast. And the goal of the podcast is for you to feel the best that you can feel about yourself. I want you to turn off the podcast having learned something, having laughed, having had fun, and feeling better about yourself. I want you to turn it off feeling empowered, feeling like you have tools and resources to step into a better version of yourself and to really be able to live the life of your dreams. And in my experience, when I A, know what other people are talking about, I feel better about myself, but also when I can use a nice, shiny, fun word, I feel a lot better about myself. By the way, my back nearly had a full bad spasm and it would have been really chaotic to get that on camera because when it's happened and oh no oh no it's kind of getting there guys oh no oh no oh no okay pray for my back pray for my back (laughs) otherwise this episode is going to be me being carried off in a stretcher to the hospital okay so our word of the week this week I I really feel like I've done it before. Like I'm really spiraling that we've done this word of the week before. What the fuck is happening here? Um, But I did a lot of searches and I couldn't find it in any past outline. The reason that I feel like we've done it is because I love this word. I think it sounds so fucking cool. And it's one of those words where it's like, if you were to ask me, I'd be like, of course I know what that means. But then if you were to be like, okay, explain it to me, I'd be like, Mm, yeah, I don't know. So <laughs> the word is capricious and it means, I pronounce it right. Yeah. It means governed or characterized by capricious. No, I'm sorry. It means impulsive or unpredictable. Something, again, if it's your first time listening, you won't know this. I will see red if someone defines a word using a different form of the same word, it's kind of like, um, you know, those pharma commercials, like pharmaceutical commercials, you know, at the end, they'll give you a long list of like, you know, may cause headaches, may cause blurry vision, may cause you to poop out your own asshole, may cause death. It's like, Okay. Um, but they'll often be like, oh, don't take it if you're allergic to blah, blah. And my favorite is when the drug commercial will be like, don't take it if you're allergic to the drug. Like, let's say it's Allegra or something, or I'm going to make something up because I don't want Allegra to sue me because, you know, <laughs> Allegra, the people who work on Allegra are big blush pod listeners. <laughs> This is a huge concern of mine. No, okay, let's say hypothetical drug called um, alpha. They'll be like, don't take alpha if you're allergic to alpha. And it's like, 
who is this intended for? Like, who who doesn't understand that they shouldn't take a drug that they're allergic to? Now, what would make sense is if they were like, hey, don't take alpha if you're allergic to grapefruit because there's an enzyme in grapefruit that's similar to an enzyme in alpha. So if you're allergic to grapefruit, you could also have an allergic reaction to alpha. You don't need to tell me to not take something that I'm allergic to. Like, I understand that. Are there people out there who don't understand that like how low is the bar exactly because I always have I don't want to say like the most like rose colored glasses on when it comes to society like I think I have a somewhat realistic view but I also don't walk the streets thinking everyone is complete and utter morons but If we really have to tell people to not take a drug that they're allergic to, like if this is an actual phenomenon that's going on, like people don't understand to not take a drug that they're allergic to, then I am way overestimating humanity. (laughs) Okay, we're going to move right along. Capricious. Um, It appears to mean impulsive. And I swear we've done this word before. Someone write in. It feels impulsive, unpredictable. Did we do it like two weeks ago? It feels really recent. Um, Okay. I'm just examples of capricious. Actually, I want to use recent examples on the web. The sudden disappearance of smooth jazz from America's airwaves has been widely ascribed not to popular rejection, but to a characteristically capricious shift in industry practices. Wow, this is an article I'd like to know a lot more about. It's written by Colin Marshall. It's in The New Yorker, and it was in on July 6th, 2023. Fascinated by the subject. Do you guys like jazz? Um, I'm not a huge jazz person. I, for some reason, have dated many men who really like jazz, including Van Guy, who does not seem like the type of guy who would listen to jazz. Like, it's just like, I don't really think of people who are essentially homeless as being into, oh, I'm so sorry, unhoused, as being into jazz. Like, I always think of jazz as kind of like a bougie, rich, white, middle-aged man type of interest, you know? Um, Not so much the type of interest that someone who owns like two and a half t-shirts and lives out of his car and has hair that is involuntarily dreaded because he doesn't have running water because he lives out of his car to be into. Um, But who am I to judge? (laughs) Okay. Okay. The hate speech law currently under consideration is sweeping and draconian. It could be enforced only in a capricious way. Our worldview is completely fragmentary and sometimes capricious. So I think um, it seems like capricious has kind of, it's not just impulsive. It sounds like it's kind of like random, Am I understanding that correctly? Capricious suggests motivation by sudden whim or fancy and stresses unpredictability. An utterly capricious critic. It's such a sick word, guys. And so the goal with the word of the week is to try to use it in a sentence this week because that's really how you learn. You have to implement things. Um, Do I go on to use them in a sentence that week? 
evidently know because I'm convinced that we did Capricious two weeks ago and I literally can't remember. Oh my God, it is so hot in here. Like I'm so tempted to take my shirt off. Okay, let's move right along. So it is the last Tuesday of the month. It's actually the last Tuesday of the year. And the last Tuesday of every month we do Q&A and this month is really special because it's the last <laughs> Tuesday of the year. <laughs> Didn't we just cover that? No, I honestly think this is the best lineup of questions we have ever had on this podcast. And I really, I have 10 questions that I really, really, really would like to get to all of them. So let's see what we can do. Okay. Question number one. Wow. It is like really hot. Oh my God. I'm going to be sweating by the end of this. Also, can we take a moment for the fact that I fucking washed my hair? Okay. I, if I have a massive deal breaker in dating, should slash can I put it in my dating app profile or should I just bring it up in talking? No, you can totally put it in your dating app profile. I'd be very curious to know what the deal breaker is, but you know, assuming it's like, let's say, I don't know what a massive deal breaker would be. Um, let's say like it's religion, right? I, I think that's a totally fair and reasonable. Like, let's say you're a very devout Catholic and it's very important for you to marry a Catholic. You want to raise Catholic children. In fact, you want someone who's been raised Catholic themselves so that you really can have the cultural connection of Catholicism, something that I really can't say a whole lot about. Although I did go to a funeral at a Catholic church once and I've never in my life felt more out of place ever before. It was like, I was like, was there, was there a class on what to do here? Everyone's like saying things and doing things. It was like, it was like being in a school performance, like a school dance, and everyone learned the choreography but you, and you're like, how does everyone know how to do this shit? I have no fucking clue. Um, anyway, okay, so let's say hypothetically that's what it is. Like, it's really, you don't even want someone who's going to convert to Catholicism. It's really important to you. You want someone who's done Sunday school. You want someone who's been is going to make a very dark joke that I'm not going to make. <laughs> Let's just brush by right past that one. Um, you know, you want someone who's, who's, oh my God, I was going to say euthanized, um, whatever, baptized. I don't, I don't, I like, I really know nothing about Catholicism. You know, you want someone who like drinks the blood of Christ or whatever, <laughs> whatever it is that goes down in Catholicism. It's really important to you. I think you can totally put it on your dating app profile. The only caveat I would give is I wouldn't phrase it as like, I think that sometimes when we have deal breakers, the way that people like to phrase them on their dating app profiles is as a negative, like swipe left. If you this swipe left, if you're not this, um, I think instead you should phrase it as a positive. So instead of like swipe left, if you're not Catholic, I would do looking for my Catholic king, you know, or just something cute and nice that phrases it in a positive. So rather than telling people to like not waste your time if they're not this, instead be like, this is what I'm looking for. Because if I was swiping and I saw like a dude's profile say, looking for my Catholic queen, I wouldn't swipe right. 
as someone who clearly doesn't even know enough about Catholicism to be able to make any jokes other than a very dark one that I think everyone probably figured out what the premise of it was that we're just going to brush right past um, in the offhand chance that what you actually were writing about is Catholicism. And I bet it's not. But I also would get very curious about what exactly this deal breaker is and does it really have to be a deal breaker? But that's neither here nor there because that's not what you asked about. Okay, moving on to question number two. When you have a past of disordered eating, how do you work on not feeling good when people compliment weight loss, even if it was not intended? Okay, this is a really, really good question. And I want to preface my answer with, I don't usually like to give advice on a subject that I feel like I haven't mastered. And body image is a subject that I have far from mastered. There's a lot of things that I've dealt with and that I've come to the other side of. I would say uh, attachment stuff is one of them. I would say um, pooping, you know, for the most part, like is one of them. There's a lot of examples like that that I feel like I can speak on with a lot of confidence. I don't think eating and body image stuff is one of those for me, even though I don't identify as currently having it an eating disorder. I definitely have in the past. I think right now my relationship with food is one of the healthiest it's ever been. Nevertheless, I, and, and also I will say like these days when I look in the mirror, I feel pretty happy. Um, I also care a lot less about what my body looks like these days. Like I, I really am fueled by other things right now. Like I'm so hyper fixated on my career and stuff. And so for me, it's like exercise is a form of like being the best in my mental, emotional, um, whatever. Okay. I'm not going to go down this weird rabbit hole. I just want to preface this with, I, I don't think this is a subject that I've mastered. Nevertheless, I do want to talk about it because I also do have a history of disordered eating and I encountered this exact scenario in 2023. So basically what happened was um, in 2021 and 2022, like late 2021 into or whatever into 2022, I had a thyroid issue and I put on a little bit of weight And, um, then towards the end of 2022 and early 2023, I lost all of that weight. And so when I first met Ozzy's family, Ozzy's my partner, by the way, if it's your first time listening, he is not named Ozzy. He is Australian. Um, I went to I nearly said Austria. By the way, I keep seeing this thing on Instagram. I don't know if it's true or not that the Vienna Austria airport has a special counter for all of the people who mistakenly flew there instead of Australia. I have a hard time believing that this is true, to be completely honest, just because it's not like... It's not like making a reservation at a restaurant. Like there's a lot of hoops you have to jump through for international travel. And I just like you do for like to go to Australia, you have to get like a 
visa. It's not like a very serious visa. You just have to do like four clicks online. I just I have a hard time believing that people are actually making this mistake, especially given that there are city names like it's not like it's just the country. So, yeah, I've, I'd like it's not like people are like, I'm going to Australia. Usually they have a specific part of Australia that they're going to. So I feel like people I don't know. I have a hard time believing it, but it's this real that I keep seeing floating around on Instagram. Anyway, um, you know what? I'm going to verify it. I just have a very hard time believing that it's true. OK, so. Where's like, oh, OK, so um, when I went to Australia the first time to meet his family was kind of it was not kind of it was squarely when I was dealing with all of that thyroid stuff. I remember because I was on like four kinds of medication at the time. I was on iron medication. I was on thyroid medication. And you also can't take those within like four hours of each other. And you also can't take either of them within like four hours of food. So trying to eat and be on all that medication was like playing a really fucked up game of Tetris. Anyway, so when I first met his family, I was at a different body weight than I am now. And then in 2023, when I went back, I had just kind of lost all of that weight that I had gained. And I really, it wasn't intentional. It just kind of like once everything, once my nervous system was really regulated, I actually think that's really what threw the thyroid off as much as it did. Once my nervous system was really, was really regulated, the weight just kind of flew off of me. And so I showed up looking a lot thinner than they had seen me. And they were making a lot of comments about my weight. And the thing is, and like not like insulting or bad comments at all, just like, oh my God, you look so much thinner, stuff like that. And it feels really good to hear that. But instantly I noted it because like not only did I not want it to feel good but my big thing is like okay this feels good but then you get addicted to it like you know I'm sure as the listener but if you're listening and you've never had like a history of disordered eating you might not understand this but it becomes a little bit addictive like I remember when I first had an eating disorder I went from being I like had gained weight in college so I was probably like a teensy bit you know, whatever. I don't want to make like judgment calls on bodies, but I'm just saying I had room to lose weight. So when I was early into my eating disorder, when I would lose weight, everyone would be like, oh my God, you look so good. Oh my God, you look so good. Oh my God, you look so good. And then when you start, like every time you see someone that you haven't seen in a minute, they're commenting on how thin you look, it becomes really addictive. And then if you don't hear it, you fucking lose it. Like I remember one time, this was like a couple of years into my eating disorder. I, um, my friend was coming over who I hadn't seen in like six months or something. And I was expecting the first thing for him to say to me was be like, oh my God, you look so thin. You look so good, whatever. And he didn't make any comments about my weight. And then when he left, I turned to my boyfriend at the time. And this was over 10 years ago, by the way. And I was like, why did Jason not say anything about my weight? And he was like, honestly, he may have been worried. I'm like, that may have been why. And I literally texted Jason about it. By the way, if you're listening, hey, Jason, love you, babe. Um, and he was like, I didn't make a comment about your weight because I was terrified. <laughs> um, but like, that's what it does to you. Like you, 
become addicted to hearing it. And so if people aren't making comments about your weight or like, wait, have I not lost weight or like, have I gained weight or like, it just starts fucking with your head. And so when I was in Australia in February of this year or yeah, of this year, um, I, when they were making comments about my weight, it's not so much that I cared about the comments in the moment. For me, it was like, I don't want to enjoy this and then need it and then start yearning for it. And so very quickly, I just communicated like after the second time this same person made a comment about or after the second time really I heard a comment about my weight or my physical appearance I quickly was like hey guys um I really appreciate you guys whatever like saying I look good or even don't look good or you're concerned or you're not whatever it is I would really like it if we could just not talk about my weight. And I was really honest and I said, listen, I have a history of disordered eating. I understand that like either you're trying to pay compliments or maybe even express concern or like whatever your intentions are. I know that they're good and this isn't your fault. I'm not saying it's your fault. I just know for myself when we spend a lot of time talking about what my body looks like, it makes me go crazy. So I would really appreciate it if we could just not talk about it. And I just try to like disassociate from it as much as possible, which I don't think is the best advice. Now, going back to what I was talking about on the top of the episode where I have these big projects, I've really never had a big project where I really worked on my body image. And There's no real reason for that other than I've always had bigger priorities. Like for me, working through the anxious attachment piece was a much bigger priority than working through my body image was. Now, working on my actual eating habits was a huge priority for me. And once I did that, the mindset piece, listen, I might get to it someday. I'm not saying I'm never going to address it. It's just not like there are so many other things that feel like bigger priorities for me. But if I were to get really serious about working through my body image mindset, what I would do is I would do subconscious inner child work. So something like... um, If you're in the Blush Academy, there's the secure childhood neural rewiring practice. I would use something like that. Or if you follow To Be Magnetic, I think Lacey Phillips has a really great inner child workshop. I would do something like that, but something that's like really deep and taps like you do a lot of visualization while you're in a hypnotic state of a different childhood. And I would visualize a childhood where you had role models who had really great body images. And by that, I mean, they didn't really give a fuck about what they looked like. (laughs) That's specifically what I mean, where body weight wasn't really a consideration. Like it was a society where everyone just looked the way that they looked and no one cared and no one commented. And I think it's a really complicated thing to work through because there's so many layers of conditioning there. I mean, especially I think for our generation, we grew up in a very toxic time when it came to body weight. And I don't think it's surprising that pretty much everyone I know has struggled with either disordered eating or at least body image in some way throughout their lives. Like it's, it's just a product of what we grew up with. And I think it takes, 
it's probably going to take a lot of subconscious work to really work through it. But that's how I would tackle it. But the other thing is like, I would actually just really communicate and just be like, hey, I'd really love it if we could just not talk about my body at all. The other thing I had to do when I was in Australia, they were making a lot of comments about my eating, which was also crazy because they were commenting on how thin I was, but then simultaneously making a lot of comments about how much I was eating. And I was like, what like <laughs> and I, the reason they were commenting about my food intake is because you know as a vegan I eat like the quantity of food that I eat is more than what people are used to and so I, it is kind of shocking for people who you know eat an, animal products like you don't need as much of an animal product to feel full or like get all the nutrients that you need that you do with fruits and vegetables because they're just not as calorie dense and so I remember one time I got like really, really upset because um, one someone in Ozzy's family was like, or a few people were making comments about how much fruit I was eating. And I was like, okay. And I really had to like, I like kind of cried. I was like, this really hurt my feelings. Like I just would really, really appreciate it if we could not talk about my food intake. Like, I just don't think we should be making comments. We sh It's 2023. It's about to be 2024. We shouldn't be talking about people's bodies and we should not be talking about how people eat or how much people eat. Like, that's fucking crazy. Um, but yeah, I would really actually communicate that and do it with love. And then I don't know if this is good advice. I really don't like, I don't know if like disassociate is good advice. Like I've, I would never in any other area of life think that that's good advice. So it's probably not good advice for this. And the reason that I probably can't give better advice is because I've actually never really truly dove in and tried to have like really great body image. That's like just being completely transparent. But if I were to address it, that's how I would address it. Like that inner child. I think that's probably the way to do it. So I hope this was like even a tiny bit helpful. If not, I'm really sorry. <laughs> I'm really sorry. Um, you know what? I'll try to find people who I think are good on this subject. And it's funny because I've talked to a lot of people who I think have strong body image. And quite frankly, even collectively, we couldn't come up with anything much better than this. Okay, moving on to the next question. Wow, I'm really not going through these very fast and there's so many I want to get through. Okay. I've been single for the past two years trying to hold out for the one ever since it was in quotes. That's why I did that. Ever since I got serious about finding my person, I stopped sleeping around because I don't want to resort to old, old low self-worth behavior. And I don't want to send the universe mixed signals, but lately I'm starting to get impatient not necessarily for a partner, but I'm feeling really sexually frustrated. Sex is really important to me. What should I do? Keep holding out or just give in? Is there any way I could speed up the process? Okay. Wow, I really want to take my shirt off. It is really, really hot in here, guys. I don't know what the fuck's happening. Okay, I'm going to be honest with you. You are not going to like my answer. There's going to be a lot of you, a, a lot of you, not a lot of you. I mean, specifically the person who wrote in this question 
there's going to be a big part of you that's going to want to be like, fuck her. She doesn't know what she's talking about. And that's fine. I urge you to still try to accept my answer because I'm going to give you a little bit of tough love because at the end of the day, I care a lot more about helping you than I care about you liking me. And that is reflective of all of the inner work I've done on myself because historically I would have come on here and tried to say something that would have been loving and gentle and would have left you feeling really good about me. And that would have been really, really self-serving because at the end of the day, Sam has something to say about this too. At the end of the day, my job here is to help you be the best version of yourself and be able to live the life of your dreams. And me trying to sugarcoat things and me just trying to be liked by you isn't going to accomplish that. So I don't believe you. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not that I don't believe you. Like, first off, kudos. Amazing. Like everything that you said sounds great. But I used to say a lot of things like, oh, sex is really important to me. And like, oh, I'm just horny. And like, I remember when I'd complain and be like, I've not sex in seven years and I'm so sexually frustrated. And I'm just like such a sexual horny person. And like, yeah, all of those things were true to a certain extent. But when people complain about not having had sex for a long time and wanting sex, it's never about sex. And here's how I know it's never about sex. because It's because masturbation exists. Like, hello, have you ever heard of a vibrator? A dildo? Porn? A butt plug? <laughs> um, a flashlight? Fingers? Hands? A phone that you can put on vibrate mode and text everyone you know and then throw it on your clit and wait for them to text back? <laughs> like... <laughs> Something I did one time in the eighth grade <laughs> before I had access to vibrators. All of these things exist. You don't need sex. What you're after is not sex. What you're after is intimacy. What you're after is connection. What you're after is love. What you're after is feeling good about yourself ultimately that's what it's really about so I don't think it's about the sex and you might feel some resistance and you might feel like well fuck you like you're just not as horny as me or whatever yeah they're like people have different sex drives and that's true but at the end of the day if it was just about the sex drive you would get yourself off right that's not what it's about like that's what it's really about is you really want this person to come through and it actually sounds like you're grasping on quite tightly and you're really I mean that last bit like oh is there any way I can expedite the process yes there is a way that you can expedite the process but again you're not gonna like the answer and that's to figure out why you're grasping so tightly and let go so what I would recommend is ask yourself three questions and be really 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 radically honest with yourself in these answers. And then these answers will point you to where you need to do the inner work. Question number one, why do you want this so badly? And let me explain. We are wired for human connection. We are wired for love and romance. Like, so there's no shame in wanting a partner. Like you should, not should, but it's very normal and natural and within human nature to want a partner. But 
When I hear someone grasp this tightly, as I have for the vast majority of my life, let me say, so I'm not like I'm coming at this with zero judgment. I'm actually coming at this with full understanding because I was very much in this place a few years ago. Um, When you're grasping that tightly, it's not just about the partner, the love, the soulmate, the relationship. There's something else that you think that this person is going to provide for you. Like maybe it's that you want the validation of being loved by someone who is X, Y, and Z. Maybe you just want more fun and excitement in your life. Like that's a lot of when I think back on the periods in my life where I was the most desperate for a partner, really a lot of what I was after was just like fun. Like I just wanted like the dopamine rush of having early exciting love. Like that's really kind of a lot of what it was about. Um, You know, maybe it's a sense of purpose. Maybe it's a sense of belonging. Maybe it's just, you know, there's something deeper that you think that a relationship will provide for you. And the thing is, Early stages of love, yes, can be very exciting because you get that dopamine rush that feels quite a bit like drugs. You know, as someone who's done a lot of drugs, I can tell you nothing feels as good as the early stages of love. Like there is no drug. I mean, ecstasy comes like a little bit close, but not really. Like it's it's way more fun. It's way more fucking fun than Molly. So yes, there is that, but that fades and then you're still the same person. All of your problems are still there. All of, you know, any sort of mindset, any sort of like insecurity, any sort of any problem that you currently have will still be there when you find your person. So even if you don't believe me, just answer this question honestly to yourself. What do you think a partner will provide for you? What is it like when you think like, oh, I just really want to find my person? Why? And again, you're allowed to want your person. That's that's not the part that I'm calling issue with. I just want to know what it is that you are hoping to achieve. Sam, can you chill out for like not not even that much longer, okay? Yeah, Bechab? 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 Sorry, guys. Um, she's really fucking over it. And the thing is, I'd open the door for her, but it's a fucking obstacle course between where she is and the door because there's so much equipment. Okay, so... That's question number one. Question number two, why is it that you don't want to admit this to yourself? Because I know when I was being big on, oh, like I, it's not even this, like I just like I'm so horny and I just want to have sex. And every time I hear someone say some variation of this, I automatically know two things about them. Number one, that they're really desperate to meet their person. Number two, that they don't want to admit that to themselves or to other people because it's a lot more like cool and chill and like cool girl and like like not needy and not desperate to say like you just want to fuck than to say like, no, I just like really fucking want to be in love and like get married and settle down, you know? So why is it that you don't want to admit this to your Yourself. Like what like what programming have you picked up along the way? Like what conditioning have you received? Like what it's like it's needy and desperate to admit that you really want to find your person immediately. And so instead you're repurposing it, repackaging it in your mind as 
oh, you just want to fuck. And then question number three, how can you give yourself what it is that you're hoping to get from a partner? And this is the ding, ding, ding question. Because as when you figure out, let me restart that. When you figure out how to give yourself what you are hoping to get from a partner, from a job, from fame, from money, from the new apartment, from the big shiny house, whatever it is that you're currently yearning for in life, what feeling, what sense of purpose, what sense of validation you are hoping to get from that thing and you give it to yourself, that's when you've cracked life. That's when you're untouchable. That's when you're invincible. That's when you will get everything you've ever wanted because that's when you're completely needless. That's when you're completely fulfilling your own needs. Okay, good luck. Would love an update on this if you don't, you know, make a voodoo doll of me and stab it all over the place. Okay, next question. Hi, I love the podcast so much and it's really changed my life. I wish I had friends like you in my real life, which brings me to my question. I have friends who are great friends to me and who I really love. But last week, hearing you talk about your new friend who helped you see that anything is possible, I realized my friends are not like that. Even though they are ambitious, they don't seem to actively pursue or take any strides towards their dreams. They have a generally negative and pessimistic outlook on life. I have one friend in particular who makes a lot of comments about how she wishes she was more lucky, how she will probably never escape her circumstances, and I find her pessimism to not only be annoying, but I also worry that it'll rub off on me or affect my night my life. I want more friends like you, people who believe that you can create your own luck and magic. What do I do? Do I cut them out? Okay. Super sweet question. Um, thank you so much. Also like this literally made my day. Um, and I completely get it. I have a lot of friends like that. I actually have one person I can think of in particular who I literally haven't been speaking to that much lately because it's always the same thing with her. It's such a pessimistic, negative outlook on things. And I don't think it fully clicked for me until I got close to Nicole, who I talked about last week, who really was this big vision holder of my dreams for me, that I realized this other friend that I have, who we'll call Casey right now, is really kind of negative and pessimistic and not so much about my own dreams. It's more so about her own dreams. But nevertheless, when you hear someone be that negative and pessimistic about their dreams, it kind of does rub off on you. You're right. Um, How have I handled it? I've just kind of put energetic boundaries between me and Casey. And it's not like the good thing about friends is that you pretty much within reason can have unlimited friends, right? It's not like a romantic partner where it's like, okay, if things aren't going great with one, you really have to cut them off to get the next one or whatever. With friends, like you can really have pretty much as many friends as you want. So it's not like it has to be this hard fast, like, oh, I'm not talking to you anymore. We're having a big friendship breakup and stuff like that. I don't think it ever has to be that dramatic. And I also think that people don't have to be your end all be all. Like you can have 
friends in different pockets who are good for different things, right? So like, let's say you have a, this friend, a friend like Casey, who has this like very limited mindset. You can still like go out and have fun and do whatever or, you know, whatever it is you and Casey, your Casey like to do. But you just don't talk about this stuff. And you can also communicate those boundaries and be like, hey, I understand that this is your mindset. But when you talk about this with me, it really bothers me. And so I'd love it if we could not talk about this. And then if she really can't meet your boundaries, then you can be like, hey, listen, if you continue to do this, like I might have to distance myself from you. So I think that's completely fine. Um Again, I would have like very strong energetic boundaries, though, that you don't even need to communicate where you just don't talk about your goals, your hopes, your dreams, etc. with people like that. But the other thing I just want to flag is I do want you to understand that this actually really does go back to you and your mindset. And let me explain. So again, bringing it back to me because I'm dealing with something very similar, right, with my friend Casey the reason that Casey's pessimistic outlook bothers me is because I'm not fully secure in my own optimistic outlook. Otherwise, I wouldn't really give a shit about Casey's pessimistic outlook. And let me let me illustrate it with another example. I am extremely secure in my romantic relationship with Ozzy. Like, I feel really good about it. Like, I think our relationship is really, really solid. Like, there's really not even one ounce of anything I would change in our relationship. And I think he is truly the most amazing person. Like, he's such a great fucking like I'm so lucky to be with him and I think he's lucky to be like we're lucky to have found each other truly I have friends who have very pessimistic views on dating I have friends who have very pessimistic views on men I don't give a shit I have a friend I was tempted to use her real name because I like kind of don't give a shit We'll, we'll just call her Mary Mary all the time will be like, oh my God, like there's no good men and like blah, blah, blah. And like all this shit, I literally don't give a fuck. Mary could say this to me from the moment I wake up every morning until the moment I put my head on a pillow. It doesn't affect me. Here's why it doesn't affect me, because I'm so secure in this that nothing that Mary, I know that Mary's just coming from her own experiences and she's frustrated and I get it. Like I've been there. I have a lot of compassion, but Mary saying that there's no good men doesn't affect me because I know there are good men because I'm fucking one of them, you know? So it doesn't matter to me, whereas Casey's mindset does affect me because I'm not as solid in that area as I am in the romantic area. Does that make sense? Now, that doesn't mean you're a bad person that I'm in the same boat. It's totally fine. And when you're not as secure or not as strong in a certain area, you need stronger energetic boundaries to protect you until you get there. And so all I'm saying is like, this is kind of a temporary thing. I think um, over the course of the next few months, 
we're both going to get a lot more solid in our own mindsets around these things. And then probably I'll be talking to Casey a lot more because at that point, her pessimism won't bother me. It won't affect me. Just like Mary's pessimism about dating and men doesn't affect me because I'm so solid in that area. I'll be that solid in that area where Casey's negative thinking also won't affect me. Does that make sense? So I just, I want to make it very, very clear that if someone's mindset or outlook is affecting you, ultimately it's because part of you also has that mindset and outlook and they're just mirroring it to you. And that's all that that is. So, and that's okay. That's okay. This is life. Like you constantly, it's kind of like, um, you know, when a crab outgrows its hard shell, it sheds that hard shell and it has that soft shell and it has to hide behind rocks and stuff for a while until that soft shell hardens to a harder shell and it's ready to be, you know, doing its thing out on the ocean floor and just really out there and, you know, living its life. But temporarily it has to hide to really protect itself and that's okay. We're allowed to hide to protect ourselves. By the way, I just want to really, I don't get a lot into veganism, but eating soft shell crab, I think is one of the most inhumane things you can do because it's taking the crab at its most vulnerable point. And quite frankly, soft shell crab doesn't fucking taste good. And here's how I know it doesn't taste good because you have to bread it and fry it in order for it to be good. If you have to bread and fry something for it to be good, it's not good. Case closed. Okay, moving on to the next question. (laughs) Do you believe the phrase, once a cheater, always a cheater? No, I don't. Not once. Because anyone can do anything once. But if someone's cheated more than once it starts to become a thing, right? It's like, okay, why have they cheated? And if they haven't worked through that reason, then they're probably likely to cheat again. That's my simple and short and quick and easy answer. And I I, I honestly think we can leave it at that. But no, once anything could happen once, right? Like you could trip and fall and like fall onto a tick, (laughs) but That generally will not happen twice. If someone has cheated multiple times, there usually is a reason. Now, I think that they can work through that reason, right? Like one of the big reasons why I see people be serial cheaters is because they've experienced infidelity in their lives. And it's often in growing up, they've witnessed infidelity or they were cheated on in a very traumatic way. Like I dated this guy when I was 20 who was much older and he had been married and divorced. And um, him and his wife were kind of in the public eye when they were together. And she was fucking this other dude the entire time. And they were on a TV show together. And like a fan of the show contacted him and was like, dude, your wife is fucking so-and-so. And they got divorced. I mean, it was can you imagine how hard that would be? They had kids together like they and he actually really is like 
I honestly think the whole thing is my fault. Like I wasn't showing her like the love and affection and intention that she wanted. So I'm not even saying like she's evil. I've actually met her and she's a lovely person. But nevertheless, that was a very traumatic experience for him. Like it was really, really hard. And so he then went on to have extreme infidelity issues. Like he cheated on me so many times, like so, so many times that it was like, honestly, kind of comical. Like I don't, he fucked more people while we were dating than I probably fucked in my entire life, you know, but it's because he had this very serious trauma and I believe that he's capable of being a monogamous person, but he has to work through that trauma in order to become a monogamous person. So I don't think a history of cheating necessarily means that you're going to cheat in the future. But I think that if you have a history where you've cheated more than once, then there probably is a root cause of that. And until you address the root cause, I think it's likely to continue being a problem. Next question. Okay, we're doing not great on time, but like not the worst. Okay, I've been dating for the past few years trying to find my person. Generally, once I know a guy isn't my person, I move on to the next because I don't want to waste time. I've made a lot of dating mistakes in the past and I don't want to repeat them. Being too needy, too desperate, settling, not having boundaries. I've done so much work on myself and I'm ready for my person and not falling for fuck boys anymore and not wasting my time. There is a guy I recently went out with a few times and I was really into it, but his communication isn't that strong and I feel confused. I understand that he's probably just not that into me and I want to move on to the next, but I also can't get it out of my head. I really want to shoot him a text saying that he's obviously not interested and that's fine and we shouldn't go out anymore. It feels like I need to send the text to get closure, but I'm worried that if I send the text, I will signal to the universe that I'm not ready for my person and that I'm settling for old low self-worth behavior. What do I do? Okay, first of all, I just want to commend you because it's obvious that you really have done a lot of work on yourself to be able to be so aware of all of these things, not just so aware of your old patterning, which in and of itself is so commendable. But, you know, when you were like, oh, his communication is off and I'm confused, I was expecting a whole rant about like, is he into me or not? But you were like, no, he's obviously not that into it. So like, this, you know, it's there, you're there, it's great. But my answer is actually going to be extremely similar to the question a few questions ago about the person who said she's sexually frustrated or they're sexually frustrated. I don't know the gender. Um, whether you send the text or not is irrelevant. Now, Closure isn't real. Closure is a myth. What you want isn't closure. Like what you really want is you just want to not feel the pain that you're feeling. You met a guy, you thought he could be the one. And then, you know, his actions made it pretty clear that he's probably not the one, but there's part of you that's like, well, maybe he lost his phone or maybe he lost my phone number or maybe he's in the hospital or maybe there's some kind of explanation or even maybe he'll change his mind. Like there's that tiny voice in you that's like, 
this could still turn around and he could be the one and I don't want to keep doing this and you know very Charlotte York moment like I've been dating I've been doing everything right and where is he I get it. I've been there a million fucking times. And so right now your brain is deluding you into thinking that what you really want is closure when you don't want closure. That's not what you want. Like no one ever wants closure. So I would move on from that. I would do two things. Number one, I would do within the Blush Academy, I would do the communication neural rewiring practice um, to actually say all of these things to him in that hypnotic state in your mind and actually get that quote unquote closure that you want to really be just be able to say everything out loud and work through it there. The other thing is I would actually answer the exact same three questions that I put forth to the girl or the person who wrote in about the sex thing. Number one, what is it that you're hoping to achieve by finding your person? Because you, like that person, I would say, are grasping on very tightly. So there's part of you that thinks that finding this relationship is going to alleviate some of the problems in your life. So just be very clear with yourself about what those problems are. Is it that you're looking to feel more happy? Is it you're looking to feel more fulfilled? Is it you know, sense of purpose? Is it validation about you as a person? Is it fun and excitement? What exactly is it? What problem in your life do you think love is going to fix? Why is it that you're not being fully honest with yourself about that? Because again, you're like, just like the other person was kind of lying to themselves and saying that what they really were was were after was sex. You're kind of lying to yourself and saying that what you're really after is closure when what you're really after is reconnection with this person. And then thirdly, how can you give yourself the thing that you're looking for from this person? Um, yeah, and that's exactly. But I would also really do that communication neural rewiring practice because that's going to give you what you're looking for from this text. Whew, okay. We are going to do one more, just one more, because after that, I think the camera is going to die. Um, I think, I don't know. Okay, let's do one more and then I'll keep an eye on it. Thank you for the best year ever of blush. I've been listening since 2020, and even though I've loved you from the beginning, I have to say each episode just keeps getting better. I fucking love you. Thank you. Um, I've, oh no, <laughs> you've completely changed my life and I'm forever grateful. Oh my God, not me. Like I would cry, but I'm actually so focused on overheating because for once in my life, I'm really fucking hot. <laughs> Um, I have a question about New Year's Eve. All of my friends are going to a big expensive party and I really don't want to go. I would rather stay home and not drink and do something meaningful to set my year off on the right foot. I feel like kind of a loser not going out though. How do you not feel like a loser when abstaining from going out, especially on such a big night? Okay. I'm literally in the same boat. Like I literally want to stay home by myself and do some kind of like witchy New Year's Eve ritual. Now, ideally, would I like to have like a very aligned friend doing it with me? Yes. But I also am really like, part of me is like, oh, well, I won't be a loser if I just like have someone else come. 
But then I'm like, no, I don't want to start my year off with bad company. Like I've done that a lot over the past few years where I've put myself in situations I didn't want to be in or I was around people who I was like, I don't fuck with you at all. So I'd so much rather be alone than be around anyone that I don't want to be around. Um, You know what's funny? When we were born and came onto this planet at no point, like, did we think not going out is losery? At some point, society has conditioned us to believe that. So in order to excavate that belief, you have to get to the root of it. Who first said to you or in some way implied to you or like somehow you received the message that you would be a loser if you don't go out? Um like really think about it. Like what did someone say it? Did someone imply it? Was it in a TV show? Was it in a movie? Like it definitely came from somewhere and reprogram that, excavate that belief. Cause once you get to the root of it, you'll be that's you'll be like, that's so stupid. Like I watched 10 things I hate about you, you know, when I was 10 years old and someone made some comment about how only losers stay in on New Year's Eve and now it's been implanted in my head. It's gonna be something really, really dumb like that. But if it makes you feel any better, I am most likely gonna be home by myself just doing losery witchy shit by myself by choice I live in New York City like you know a famously fun city and I have friends who are going to be going out and doing things I don't want to fucking do it let's be losers together in fact let's reclaim the word loser and also I'm gonna put up in the blush academy uh like witchy New Year's Eve kind of ritual that you don't necessarily have to do on New Year's Eve, but it's going to kind of take inventory of your year and set goals and intentions and stuff like that for the new year. So um, be on the lookout for that. And that's something that you can do. So yeah, let's be losers together. (laughs) Okay. Um, I don't know. Should we do one more? No, I'm I'm really, really scared the camera is going to die. So I'm just going to wrap it up here and we're going to do our gratefuls. Now, if it's your first time listening, we end every episode of Blush by saying three things that we're grateful for that week. And the reason that we do that is because practicing gratitude is scientifically proven to make you a happier and more optimistic person. The key, though, is to not repeat yourself ever. So you Every time you do this, you want to list three new things that you're grateful for. And ideally, you make this a daily habit. I like to do it in bed. And so I recommend every night when you're in bed to just scan your day and find three new things that you're grateful for that day and never repeat yourself because it's the process of looking for new things to be grateful for that strengthens the part of your brain that's looking for the good in life. And that makes you a more optimistic person. It makes you more pleasant to be around. It's actually really infectious, makes other people around you more happy. It's a really powerful practice. Fuck, 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 fuck. Okay. The camera died. This is exactly what I wanted to avoid. Um, I'm just going to roll without video for this last bit and say, I'm grateful for, I'm actually going to make it for me for the whole year. 
this time around um, because it's the last episode of the year. So I invite you as you're listening to say three things that you're grateful for from this year. So I am grateful. I'm grateful that I implemented exercise as a true daily habit because I think it's really gone a long way at improving my mental health and improving my mental resiliency. And also, I really noticed this last week when the elevator was out. I had to carry Sam, my dog, up and down the stairs because she used to be paralyzed and she can't take stairs. And um, I noticed how much stronger I've gotten, like how much easier of a time I had carrying her. And that was really fucking cool. Um, I am grateful for some new friends that I made this actually, okay. I don't want to do that. Cause I, it's kind of a repeat of last week. Um, okay. <laughs> oh, Okay, this is like so dumb, but sometimes they have to feel kind of dumb to just not be repetitive. I'm grateful for this light that I got for food content. It's a really powerful, strong light, and it really does an excellent job. And I'm grateful um, to be seeing my family for Christmas. I mean, this episode airs on the 26th, so I'll actually be coming back from seeing my family, but I'm recording a few days ahead of time, so I'm actually literally about to go see my family for Christmas, and I'm grateful for being excited to see them because I don't usually get excited to see my family. I usually kind of dread it, and this is one of the first times where I'm genuinely excited to see them, and I think that's really reflective of a lot of the inner work that I've done on myself because usually, like I said, usually I dread it. And the fact that I'm not dreading it, I think is a hundred percent because of the work I've done on myself and nothing else. Um, so yeah, as always, I'm really fucking grateful for you guys. I'm grateful for the show. I'm grateful for the opportunity to get to connect with you guys as much as I do. And I really fucking love you and be on the lookout because we're doing big things in 2024. I think the show, I have a big vision for Blush in 2024. I think things are about to really fucking pop off. And I just want to take a moment with you guys because you're my OG babies. So... Yeah, I'm really fucking grateful for you guys. I I keep looking in the camera lens like as though it's as though it's still recording. This is so fucking stupid. I hate I need to figure out this camera thing. It's like it's plugged in and has all the memory. It just overheats after like an hour and 10 minutes. And so I really try to be mindful of it, but I can't always. So, you know, you do what you can. You do what you can. Okay. Love you guys so much. Bye.